those who uh, talk about being pure are almost laughed at and, uh, and scoffed in some way uh, because the mentality is whatever feels good, do it. That mentality, by the way, has been around since, well, the 50s and the 60s, but uh, it is really evident in our day and age when uh, there is just very little said about uh, the, the sin of people living together out of the, the bonds of marriage. Uh, where uh, very little is said about uh, the matter of, of sexual purity in matters. And so uh, today we look at yet another chapter where Solomon helps us to understand principles and truths. Many he's already brought up. He brought them up in chapter 5. He's bringing them, he brought them up in chapter 6. And he brings it up again in chapter 7 uh, because repetition is the key to learning, right? And, uh, and because... Uh, God obviously saw fit to, and knew that this is an issue that people would deal with. Jesus Christ had to talk about it and dealt with it in, in, uh, in his lifetime and before the people. When he said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. And uh, he had to teach on the subject. And, and so throughout Scripture, we find over and over in the New Testament, it's a subject that has to come up. As uncomfortable as it may be, as difficult as it may be to talk about the subject of moral purity, it is vitally important. And it's obviously an issue that every age has had to deal with. In fact, you know, I've been reading through the Old Testament in my own personal devotional time, and, um, and as I've been preparing this, you know, you come, become aware of and you, you are... I think you pay attention more to it. It's like when you buy a new car. You notice everyone that has the same kind of car, you know? So as I've been reading through, it's been just amazing to see how many Bible characters had moral issues and were involved in multiple relationships in disobedience to God's Word and God's thinking in this matter of moral purity. So we need the lesson and we have already brought out the, the first point in our outline, the powerful, powerful inspiration and its part in purity. And that has been another great lesson I think we've been learning through these three chapters because in each chapter, before he ever deals with purity, he says, get in the Bible, study the Bible, guard truth, protect the truth, keep the truth. And when you keep the truth, it will keep you from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words, as verse 5 of chapter 7 reminds us. He did that again in each one of the chapters to remind us that the Word of God is vital to win the victory. And we didn't spend as much time on their first five verses, I know, but that's because it was re repeating what we've already heard. Now we're in verse 6, and we're going through, uh, the, through uh, chapter 7. And as we pick up in verse 6, we're giving, going to share practical observation of the struggle for purity. Because as he's dealing with this matter, and he starts by telling us the word is vitally important and make it part of your life, it'll protect you. Verse 6 and on through all the way to verse 23, he gives an illustration. And he says, I, I looked out the window of my house. And looked out, when I looked out the window of my house, I saw this gentleman, this young guy. And this young guy went the way to her house. And he starts to describe and tell the story. So um, 
by the way, Jesus Christ wasn't the only one who told stories and gave a wonderful meaning and, and used those stories to teach truth. Throughout the Bible, we find that, and Solomon wanted to share wisdom. And sometimes the best way is to by, by saying, hey, here's a story. Here's something that happened, and I'd like to share it with you. And that's what he does. For at the window of my house, verse 6, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths, a young man void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now she is without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. And this is the illustration and the end of the story uh, that he relates to his son who needs this instruction, and so do we. So let's ask God to help us now. Father, give us understanding from this illustration uh, laid out for us in Proverbs 7. Help us to learn the lessons we ought learn. And, uh, and may we be people who encourage moral purity, people who live morally pure lives, and, and people uh, who are following your word and listening and heeding your instruction. And we'll thank you for what you'll do and how you'll help us in this important subject. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are the practical observations in the struggle for purity? First, I'd like you to see in verses 7 to 9, as we uh, began last week, at least we gave you the first one under this, the foolish choices that led to temptation. All right, there's this young man, right? There's a, there's a, a youth, a young man who is, we learned first, void of understanding. Now, do you remember what we said about that last week? That, that doesn't seem all that important. It just seems like kind of a statement. This is a guy who is, well, he's young, you know? And the idea seems to be, well, he's just young and ignorant. But that is not really the idea. If you remember, you go back to verse 4 of this chapter, he says, that we need to have wisdom and understanding, and that wisdom and understanding is available. So when he says this young man is without understanding, it's not that he is ignorant because he's young. It's, he's ignorant because he's chosen to be such. He has rejected understanding. And as a result, because he hasn't taken time to get in the Word, because he hasn't been taught in the Word, and remind you, I remind you that young men can be pure, jo uh, Joseph was, 
and there are others in the Bible that have been pure and, and others in life that have been. So he is ignorant by choice. And understand this then, if you reject the word of God or don't make it part of your life, you're opening yourself up for a fall like this man experienced. So little preparation. The second thing that I think is very interesting is we, here's a man void of understanding, but what's the next thing we see him doing? Verse 8, little preparation. All right, you say wrong choices. I put it this way, wrong places. Wrong places. An interesting concept um, one writer presented. He, he shared that the wording indicates this was the marketplace where business is conducted. And... Uh, now, again, I'm not exactly sure. This is someone that I, would, I suspect would know a little bit about it. But um, at the end of the day, then, this would be a place that was relatively uh, emptied out because it was a busy place during the day. But at night, it would be a place where someone might be able to find a harlot, might be able to find someone who's interested in the wrong kind of things. And so... He went to, and he was in the wrong places. And this writer went on to say that the picture almost seems one of resolve, that he, he is there, and uh, the idea is when he passed through the street near her corner, he went the way to her house, almost as if he's pacing back and forth, waiting, looking, hoping that he's going to find someone. So this is not innocent. This is not a guy that's just, oh, he's walking along, all of a sudden, bang, he's hit with temptation. This is a man who didn't prepare ahead of time because he wasn't in the Word, and it's a man who went to a place and obviously was either thinking or looking for the wrong kind of thing. So um, if he had prepared and if he had avoided the wrong kind of places, he very well might not have gotten involved in wrong kind of activity. And I think verse 8 is a great lesson in uh, what Romans 13, 14 tells us to do where God tells us not to make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So that God gives us a warning in the scripture that if you're going to avoid uh, getting involved in immoral activity or you're going to avoid any kind of sin, the, the best thing to do is to avoid places and, and times and situations that will put you in the way of temptation. And so here is a man, wrong, a little preparation, wrong places. Um, I just thought of this. Bad things sometimes happen to good people. We know that. But you know, sometimes uh, people uh, do wrong things, and then they're surprised when bad happens to them. Um, we, we've told you the story before, and it's really a tragic story. A, go, a, a number of years ago, there was a family in Tennessee, and they got on the news and were talking about how their daughter was missing. Well, she went to, I think it was Aruba, on some sort of some sort of trip, I, I, as far as I know, she's still missing. It's been a number of years now, and uh, they were interviewed and they talked about how their daughter was a, a wonderful girl and she was with friends on this trip, um, and and you know she's missing now and and that sounds tragic. It it does, doesn't it? But the thing is, and this is one of the things that was amazing to me. The whole story wasn't told that night when they first got on and talked about how horrible this was and how terrible it was that their daughter was missing. Because the impression I got was, here's this sweet girl. She just goes on this trip and innocently she gets taken and now she's missing. But 
come to find out that they went, her and her friends went to a bar that night and that they were drinking. They were drinking heavily. Her friends were ready to leave after a few hours, but she was having fun flirting with a guy and decided to stay. The last time she was ever seen, about two or three in the morning, she had walked out of the bar with three men she had only met that night. Now, now let me tell you something. You, you, you go to a foreign country, a foreign place, you, you, you're drinking, you're flirting with a guy you've never met before and you leave with three men, then don't be surprised if you, I mean, if your parents are looking for a missing young lady. Now, whatever the men did, obviously was sinful and wrong. And it's a horrible story. But know this, if she wasn't drinking, if she wasn't out to two or three in the morning, if she wasn't flirting with a guy, and if she had the brains not to leave with a man she had never met before and didn't know before that night, then she'd be home today. And sometimes people get in trouble when they've done nothing at all. They get in a car wreck and they haven't done anything wrong. And, and things, bad things happen. But sometimes bad things happen because we ask for bad things. And God warns us in this passage, and whether it's, it's protecting ourselves from some, some terrible event or whether it's protecting ourselves from moral impurity, you put yourself in the wrong place and you, you, you put yourself in the way of temptation. You need to watch out for it. And you need to be very careful. So we have little preparation, wrong places. And then um, uh, notice what it says in verse 9. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And I couldn't think of anything to go with the letter P. So bad timing. Bad timing. If the commentator is correct that this young man was waiting and looking, then we would conclude from his perspective, his timing was right. Because he was going to a place where he would find the kind of thing he was looking for. If indeed he was. I don't know if we can exactly prove that, although uh, the, the, the man who wrote that, the conservative uh, writer, um, you know, I, I'm sure took some time to study out the language and what was being shared in this passage. Irregardless, uh, he was in the wrong place, and he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And um, that is a powerful lesson for us to remember. I think Joseph was uh, a great example in Genesis 39 of someone. Notice, listen to what it says. Genesis 39, 10 says, And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day. By the way, have you thought about how, how evil this woman was? Okay, this wasn't just the lady who who at one time went up and said, hey, lie with me, one time. Every day, Joseph and said, every day. And it says this, he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And then it says in verse 11, and it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. There's every indication that Joseph avoided being alone with that woman. He protected himself from wrong places and wrong times, and he got caught 
not because he was guilty of looking for this woman or being in a place where he could, he could be tempted again, but because he was just simply doing his job. And, um, but this man failed because he wasn't careful. And he didn't prepare. He went to wrong places and bad, uh, bad timing. Uh, please, I, I, just, I just warn you, be very careful about your places you go, and the situations you put yourself in. Um, not only because there's room for temptation, but can I also say this? We live in such a wicked world that sadly people can make accusations and your life can be ruined by someone who accuses you because you were alone with a girl, gentlemen. And you may be totally innocent. One of the, you know, I hate having cameras at our church. I hate it. I hate the idea that we have security cameras. But sadly, they're necessary in our day. And they may very well protect someone from being falsely accused. But they're also a deterrent, you know. Because it reminds you that someone's looking, or someone can be. And that also is important for us to remember. Because whether anyone sees it or not on a screen, God sees it too. That's another important lesson. But this is all just to remind us that we just need to be careful. We need to be careful about uh, what, you know, taking men, driving ladies in a car alone, the lady that's not your wife. And uh, just being in situations and going into someone's home, um, just... Protect yourself. Don't put yourself in a place where you can get involved in the things that are wrong. So we have, um, we have foolish choices that led to temptation. Then we have filthy conduct that fed temptation. Filthy conduct that fed temptation. In verse 10 it says, and behold. You know, so lo and behold. No, that wasn't it. And behold. You know, it's like, he, he said, it, you could... You could see it coming a mile away. Behold, well, amazing, amazing. He went to the place, and he's standing around, and he's going back and forth, and he's looking, and wow, he found a woman. Can you believe that? It's not a surprise, and the language suggests that. Behold, this is what happened because, because he was a fool. But there's a number of things about her that can, we can learn from because it says there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. So what are some of the things and some of the ways she conducted herself that fed the temptation that this young man gave into? All right? First thing, first thing is what? All right, her dress. Her dress. Um, came across this story a number of years back. It wasn't, I, actually not a number, probably about four or five years ago. A police officer stood in front of a group of people he was instructing. He was trying to instruct them about, about safety, how to protect themselves. Especially, he was talking to a, a, a group of young ladies, and he made this statement. He said, don't dress like a slut, and you won't have to worry about a man trying to treat you like one. Well, um, this caused outrage. It was in Toronto where it took place. It was a police officer who was speaking to young ladies and trying to help them understand how you protect yourself. And 
and yet it caused outrage, and the women of the area began a walk. They called it the slut walk, where women dressed provocatively and paraded down the street with signs saying no means no, because they thought this officer was ridiculous to tell them how to dress. Um, see, that's the kind of day we live in, uh, that people are appalled that an officer would say something that is right. Um, the officer was absolutely, absolutely right on, right on line. And these women were fools. Um, now, no one can ever condone misuse of a woman no matter how she's dressed. No one can condone uh, a man thinking wrong things because uh, the truth is you just can't avoid wrong dress these days. But God does urge women to understand that they have a part in helping men in a number of ways. And this passage lays out for you some things to learn. And he says, ladies, in essence, watch how you dress. Because how you dress has an impact on what men think. And whether you like hearing that or not, it's true. And it needs to be said. And you either help or hinder someone's purity, ladies, by the way you dress. So never forget that. Never lose sight of that. First Thessalonians 4, if you want a New Testament passage, deals with that very subject. And it says that a woman is not to defraud someone. And that's dealing with the matter of moral purity. And dress would be included in one of the ways in which someone can be defrauded or taken advantage of. So dress plays a role in how a woman is treated and what a man thinks. And so let's make sure our, our dress sends the right message. And you know what? Even in our day, men are being more treated as objects. And, and men, I hate to even say that, but, but men even need to be careful about how they dress. And so let's just make sure we send the right message message by our dress. There's another note. Notice, notice what it says here, and subtle of heart. Do you see that at the end of verse 10? Um, we're going to find in her speech uh, a little bit further, some, uh, kind of points to this idea, but it means this, that she is deceptive. Her heart, um, her heart is, I, I want a relationship. So, she seeks to deceive him, and she does that by her dress. She does that with her words. She does that in all sorts of other way, ways because that's where her heart is. She's settled on this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to find someone, and this guy's just as good as anyone. And so uh, please understand that there's, there are wicked people in this world that, that want things that are wrong, and and there's a real battle that will go on if you're not protecting yourself and careful. Then not only dress, but notice she, uh, I put the word boldness, verses 11 and 12. She's loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now she is without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait every corner. Uh, I, you could also put the word aggressive, if you want, boldness or aggressive. 
Do you know men are often spoken as, of as the aggressors in moral impurity? And obviously, um, that such would be the case. But scriptures also picture women leading the way in moral matters. Potiphar's wife. Uh, the woman here flaunts herself. Tamar, dressed like a harlot. Ticed her father-in-law. So, so understand that... Uh, um, boldness or aggressiveness is uh, something that's been going on for thousands of years. I, I've, heard, I've heard people say, well, well, girls are really more forward these days. No, girls were forward in the Old Testament. And it's a, a principle that is laid out for us and we're told about here as well. So watch out for a woman whose dress is wrong, who is bold or aggressive, and, um, and just seeking... Uh, someone who maybe even is unsuspecting so they can get what they want. Um, and then notice verse 13. There's something else we see. Not only their dress, not only their boldness and, and just aggressive, but then we see something else. We're, we're told something else in verse 13. I, okay, her tag, I, I put it this way, Physical. She gets physical, touch. Um, physical contact with members of the opposite sex, you just have to be real caref careful about. There are appropriate ways to touch which are not sensual in nature, but just beware. beware. Understand, um, it's not just the kiss she caught him. So she's, she's taken hold of him. And, um, and so you just got to be careful. She is, but we find verse 13 as well, she is determined. And you say, well, determined? I don't see that. Well, look at what it says. And with an impudent face. What is an impudent face? <laughs> okay, you're guilty of reading this verse. Well, I don't even have any idea what that is, but I'm just going to go on anyway. All right? It, there, there you are. What is an impudent face? The word means to be stout or hardened. It is one of determination, intent. This is like a, this is a planned attack upon someone who is vulnerable or weak, like a lion sneaking up on his prey and spying out the weakest or the slowest of the herd. He's going to attack. And so this woman found the right man to make her brazen appeal to. She's set in her way, and she's determined to get what she wanted. She's determined then in verses 14, 15, 16, and 17, we see someone who is positive, appealing, flattering. I, I, you have to put all three. It should be five, six, seven, I know, but it isn't, all right? Positive, appealing, flattering. I've been looking just for you. And you just hear her, and, and just that, or that syrupy voice, I've been looking just for you. Um, You're the man. Okay, no, she wouldn't say it that way. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently seek thy face. I found thee. You're the one I've been looking for. She would have said that to any man. Um, just he was in the wrong place. And so she was positive. She was appealing. She was flattering. I have everything ready. I want you. This is the appeal she gives. Um, she just wanted to get what she wanted to get. And it's interesting here, but uh, everything was just to make him 
to set him at ease about something he shouldn't be at ease about. He should be bothered. But she's not going to talk that way. Yeah. Do you know if they put ads about what drunk people are like the day after, they wouldn't sell booze? Seriously. Okay, so what are all the beer commercials? I, young, vibrant, strong, muscular men like your pastor and, and ladies, you know, beautiful women, and, and they're all just having a party and they're laughing and they're smiling. If they showed, if they showed the guys that I had to work with in Pensacola during college every Monday who came into work and would sit in their car with their head in their hands having a terrible hangover and just tell me, to be, tell me not to hammer when my job was hammering. Um, you know, you'd have a totally different picture, but sin always uh, pictures things to be wonderful. So, so the harlot isn't going to come up and say, yeah, I'll tell you what, you can get disease, but let's go. You know, well, this could be the end of it. I'm going to take all your money because you're going to get hooked. No, no, it's, uh, hey, I, I've been looking for you. You're the one. And so she's positive. She's appealing. She flattered him. She is assuring, number six, she's assuring, verses 18 to 20. No one will ever know. They'll never find out. My, my, my husband's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bunch of money. He won't be back for a long while. We're good. Don't worry. Assuring, no one will ever know. They'll never find out. You don't have to worry about my husband coming home. You don't have to worry about any trouble. We can have this. Everything's going to be fine. And Solomon says, it won't, it won't, it won't, it won't, it won't, it won't, it won't. But she is assuring. Um, many people do what they do because they've been convinced they can get away with it or they don't believe the consequences will get them. And that's exactly how the, how the harlot, and that's exactly how a man will present it if he wants something from a lady. And so um, be careful. Moses uh, reminded the children of Israel this truth. Be sure your sin will find you out. And that's a, a short verse and, a, and a, a sweet verse. It's so true. And we never should forget it. Be sure your sin will find you out. So she is assuring. And then her words... And we'll pick up there the next time we have opportunity, which actually will be a year from now.